uh, excuse me, John, woo, Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1. I told our Sunday school class, it must be the sugar, because I am forgetting names and faces and details that I know well, and so thanks for your patience this morning. We're in Joshua chapter 1, and the title of today's sermon is, is it's a standalone sermon, Four Conditions for a Successful Faith in 2022. Four Conditions for a Successful Faith in 2022. And I want to tell you that this is, I want this sermon to be an encouragement to you. If the Lord is using it to challenge you or convict you by the power of the Spirit, then let that be. But I really want you, as you end out this year, as we as a church end out this year, to consider what a vibrant faith looks like. And it doesn't mean that you're smiley all the time, you're always laughing, and everything's hunky-dory and peachy keen and all those things. That's not real life. Those Hallmark movies ended yesterday when the stroke of midnight hit Christmas, right? So all those Christmas, oh, they still go on, yes. It's called Lifetime Movies, right? Something like that. But real life sets in at some point. And when real life comes in, how does your faith carry you in? I want to tell you something. This sermon we're going to preach today was spoken to a very specific group of people, Specifically, what we're going to look at was given to Joshua. You're not Joshua, I'm not Joshua. Or to use a famous line, you're not David, I'm not David. But at the end of the day, we can glean some principles out of this very famous passage to take to 2022 with our faith, not only as individuals, but as a church. So many times when we preach these, it's about you and me, and that's it. It's just us doing our thing, but it's us together. We're the body of Christ. So I want to just acknowledge that up front. I know this has a context. I want to preach it. I don't want to spiritualize the text, but I want to look at it as it is, and I want to encourage us because God's word is timeless, amen? It goes through every generation and every time. So with that in mind, will you join us in standing, if you're able this morning, in Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1 and go down um, to verse 9. Joshua 1, 1 through 9. You know these words well. You've heard these before. May they encourage you, challenge you this morning as we start off. Let's pray to, or, or read and then we'll pray together. It says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, he's talking to Joshua here, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them and to the people of Israel. Verse 3, in every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. For from the wilderness and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory." No man, verse 5, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will not leave you or forsake you. But be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only, verse 7, be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn to the right or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do what is written according to it, written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. Let's pray together, shall we? And we'll get into this text this morning. Let's pray together. Father, may you bless the reading of your word. May we hear it anew, afresh today. 
Father, will you take these words that were given so long ago to your servant Joshua, who heard these timid as he was at the very stark reality that Moses is dead. And oh, by the way, you're up next to bat for us and hit a home run. Take us to the promised land. But Father, I think you wasn't contingent on, on, on Joshua's abilities or what he might do or his plans in his mind. It was really all about your grace taking him along. And Father, we're so grateful for Father, it's all by grace we live. Father, today, as this topic is not as hard-hitting, it's not as in-your-face or as controversial as sometimes we preach passages through, Father, would you remind us, as this is really, at the end of the day, what it's all about, living by faith successfully every moment of every day, even despite our sin and our struggles and our temptations and everything that comes our way. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. For as the Scripture says, we, you are faithful even when we are faithless. We pray this today in Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Why don't you be seated this morning? Thank you. Well, I want to tell you that there was a couple that decided to go duck hunting one time, and this is a picture of ducks. Uh, they're ducks, right? If you are of the Nintendo days, if some of you young people remember the Nintendo Entertainment System, you remember there's a, a game called Duck Hunt or something like that. But this couple decided they needed to strengthen their marriage, so they decided of all things to go duck hunting together. They heard of other people going duck hunting, so they figured they needed a dunk, du duh, duck hunting dog. Say that five times fast. And they bought a dog. So they got all their equipment and their dog, and they took off to go hunting for the day. Richard, I thought of you when this came out. Uh, Richard Reem, our, our local hunter. They tried getting some ducks, but they came at the end of the day, and they really hadn't gotten any, and they were frustrated. And the husband looked at his wife and said, Honey, we've got to do something different. Something's wrong here. We have not caught a single duck all day. And the wife said, well, maybe if we throw the dog up a little higher, we can catch a duck next time, and we'll get a duck to go home with us. That's really bad, guys. I want you to know what they're missing. What are they missing? They're missing a firearm, aren't they? You don't throw a dog up in the air and expect to get a duck. Some of you are, are, are mesmerized by that fact. No, they didn't actually throw their dog up in the air. It's a story. But I want you to know, that's often what we do with our spiritual lives, isn't it? We try to get a dog to do what a gun was meant to do. We try to do something that God says not to do, and we do it anywhere. We do it our own way. And we're trying to accomplish things with, in our lives with tools that don't work or simply don't make any sense. Some of you are going to walk out of here trying to figure out how a dog got up in the air and throw it. Anyway, if you have a dog, please do not throw it up at ducks in the air. You might not live to see tomorrow. But a dog is not a right weapon to get ducks in most cases. You, you need the right weapon, which is usually firepower or something like it, to bring down a duck. And a lot of us have hound dogs in our lives trying to fix our faith. We have tools around us. We have people around us that tell us to do this or do that. And we get off the simple track that God has for us, which is simply to follow him, to be in love with him, to cherish him, to, to be all about him. And it's not that we're not trying. The question is, what are we trying to stay our faith in these times? This is why Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. Because you see, the character of our lives is often, isn't it, made up of 10,000 moments. It's made up of many things. And, and, and often our character that God forms in us is formed in those moments, the small moments, the big moments, and all those things. And oftentimes, when we have the wrong tools for the job, we lose sight of what God is actually doing within us, and we get off to the right or to the left. I mean, do you ever feel like something is holding you back from a genuine faith in, in, in Christ? Have you ever felt that way before? Or maybe this pandemic, can you believe it's almost been two years, 22 months, guys, since the pandemic has been in place? Maybe you felt like your faith has just been in neutral since that stage, and you haven't really grown, you haven't really fallen back, you're just kind of blah. 
Well, what do you do? How do you handle those cases? How do you get the right tools to make sure that your faith is successful, vibrant, as it were, despite your personality, despite your situation, and despite everything that's going on in the world around you? How do you do that? Well, today, I want to tell you at least four ways we do that. This is not an exhaustive list. It's not a list meant to, to check every box and your life is going to be great or good. But I want to remind you about what the Bible actually says. I want to remind you about things that we often get off track on and try and use other tools for when God says it's simply this. So our big idea today is this, is that in, in uncertain days, let's stand tall, let's trust God, Let's face whatever the future brings with a calmness, a courage, and a compassion as we display His presence to a violent world. And friends, this world is a violent world. It's a world that's going to seek to take you off your faith, the very simple things that God tells you to do. And so in these unremarkable moments of life, in the days ahead, in the times ahead for you, I want you to know that God is working in you. But do you have the right tools for the job is the real question that we have. So four conditions for success. And I'll set this context here before we get started. Uh, this is, of course, at the very end of, of Moses' life. Joshua is probably pinning this, uh, the transition time before he passed away. But I want you to know that Israel's wandered for 40 years. They had a chance to get it right. They walked out of Egypt. They plundered Egypt. They were walking in the wilderness. But for one solid year, they just went, blah, blah, blah. They complain, God, you can't get us water. God, this meat's terrible. God, this manna stinks a day after. God, take care of us. God, just take care of us. And so God said, okay, send 12 spies into the land. You remember the story? They all go in there and they see the abundance of the land. They see everything that God's given them and 10 come back and what do they say? Man, that land is so great, but let me tell you, the people there are as big as Goliath. They don't know Goliath, but you know, they're big people. And we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And there were two men. You remember their names, don't you? One of them's here, Joshua and Caleb, who said, you know what? Those people are big. And yes, the, the land is abundant, but God is bigger than all those people. Did you not just see what he did to the army of Egypt just a, about a year ago? And yet, because of their disobedience for 39 more years, they wandered in the desert like this. Can you imagine? Daddy, when are we going to get there? Oh, it'll be a few more years. Daddy, when are we coming? Just a few more years. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Until the very last person from that generation died away. And here we are at the precipice as it is for this nation. And friends, a lot of us are doing this with our spiritual life. We do the motions. We go to church. We check the boxes. I want today to be a reality check for you. Are you really in tune with your faith? That's the goal for today. So the first one I want you to see, the first condition is this, is go onward with compliance to God's words. That sounds like a, 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 a police term, doesn't it? Go onward, firstly, first success is go onward with compliance to God's commands. Notice what he says there in verse one. He says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun. And that's where you gotta stop right there. Before you go on to anything else, you have to know that God spoke to Joshua. He gave him a direct command. Joshua didn't have to think about it. Joshua didn't have to, 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 to say, God, where are you? God was right there in his midst. And I want you to know that. Because to go onward with God's command, you have to hear God speak. And friends, we will get more into this in, in our next points. But I want you to remember that this is how God speaks today. You don't need a special vision. You don't need the signs to line up right. God has spoken in his word. But although God buries his workmen, he never buries his work. And so when Moses is dead, now Joshua must step up to it. It's like uh, Elisha before Elijah w went off. 
And the great purposes of God is that the work must go on. In fact, in Deuteronomy 32.50, this is not on the screen or in your notes, do you know what God told Moses to do? One word. You ready for this? Go die. Okay, God. Go die. That's what he told him. Die. Die. You know what? That was his act of final obedience. And that's going to be your act of final obedience someday too. Friends, as he gets into this, as he gets into what he's going to tell Joshua, he wants him to remember that there is coming a death and there's coming a time where you can no longer do what I've asked you to do in my commands. But I want you to know that to be successful in God's work, you must do his will, his way. So how does he do this? Well, he tells him there in verse two, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. If you didn't know that already, he's dead. Let the shock value hit you hard. He is dead. And so God commands him, and this will be on your screen, God commands him to go forward in spite of the difficulty of the times, in spite of the difficulty. Can you imagine the responsibility Joshua had? These crazy people who'd been wandering, and he'd been with them the whole time, he's now seeing their sons and daughters, and he's now in charge of them. If you've ever had Christmas at your house for the first time after your parents or grandparents passed away or passed the buck to you, and you had to prepare the meal, some of you ladies or guys who do the cooking, you know that pressure, like, man, am I going to make it the same way like this person made it? And that's small. Imagine leading a nation of people. But nations will rise and fall. World leaders will come and go. And Joshua did not need to say, Lord, are you really, Lord, what would you have me do? He knew what he had to do. He just needed to go and do it. And so, friends, that is the, the, the thing that is about this, is he commands him to go in spite of the difficulty of the times. Look, can I just be honest with you? There's never going to be a time there's not going to be a virus. There's never going to be a time there's not going to be a crazy world leader. There's never going to be a time when the economy is not going to be up and down or gas is going to be high or low. There may be a special blessing of God, but Christian, your life is always going to be difficult, right? It's always going to be difficult. If not from your own self causing the difficulty, other ones outside of you causing it. But he says to go on despite it and follow what I've told you to do. Do what I've asked you to do. Look, God has not commanded us to obey him except when we find it difficult. He's called us at every moment of every time to do what he's asked us to do. Wouldn't it be nice, husbands or wives, if you only had to obey the easy things that your wife or your husband asked you to do or kids, if you got to obey whatever you wanted to obey with your parents, wouldn't that be nice? You'd never get anything done. It'd be absolute chaos. It would end up being a nutty case of everything. But if you want your faith to go on, you have to understand that you're called to obey God's commands even when things are hard, even when things around you don't make sense. Second thing he commands him to do, he commands him to go onward despite the difficulty of the task. Moses has died. That's the hard time. Look back at verse two. Look at this task. He says, now, therefore, look, here's the reality, Joshua. He's dead, but go over to this Jordan, you and this people, into the land that I'm giving them to you, to the people of Israel. Look, God's going to tell you, despite the times, despite the task, you must go forward in your faith. No matter what God has called you to do, no matter what people God has put in your life, he's called you to be faithful to the task at hand. Well, Darren, they annoy me. Amen. Well, Darren, they don't listen to the word that I share with them. That's the lot of every Christian. I want to remind you of that, that God does not God does not lower the curve of expectation just because things are hard or the task is hard. I mean, think about this for a second. I mean, so much is on the line, and we're weak and not up to the task. But you know what God says to Joshua and he says to you? Perfect. I can work with you. I can work with that. God wants people who are willing to come to him and don't have all the answers. 
Church, I'll be completely honest with you about Tarby. There are days that Nelson and I sit back in there and we think about things, pray about things, and we look at each other and say, what are we going to do with this situation as a church? And I look at him and say, you're the old man. You're supposed to have all the wisdom. Well, you're the young man. You're supposed to have all the ideas. And we just shake our heads. We have no idea. Well, you pray about it and you seek God and he provides that answer. Have you ever been there before? Despite the task, when you're admitting that you're not up to the task, you're in the best position ever. And Joshua admits, I have nothing here. And look, don't let the task overtake the task giver. Some of you are so focused on getting things done that you go about your business checking the boxes for God, but I want to remind you in 2022 or any time that God doesn't care about the sacrifices. He cares about the intentions of your heart as you do those sacrifices for him. So as you're going forward in your faith, whatever that is for you, whatever that is for our church, don't let the things we have to check off our list overtake the relationship we have with God himself. God God cares for us that whatever we're facing, he's right there right now. Don't let your task overtake the task giver. Can you imagine what a task that would have been? Oh, Joshua, by the way, you're going to go in and you're going to fight these people and take them out and you're going to take over the land. No pressure. And oh, by the way, Moses is dead. So all the people you used to trust in are gone. What a task. But he tells him to be in compliance with God's commands. Go and do it. That's number one. Go and do it. Second thing I want you to see is this is Joshua and us, we must go onward not only with with compliance to God's commands, but we must go onward with courage in God's promises. Let's go on with courage in God's promises. Look back at verse 3 if you have your Bible open. He says, every place, God speaking to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and Lebanon, as far as the, the river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, to the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man, verse 5, shall stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Look, we must go forward with courage in God's promises. So many times we're ready to go and we're, we're, we're ready to go and we're ready and then we get out there and we're like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. That's why I always hated getting in lines at World of Fun as a youth pastor in, in the uh, uh, lines at World of Fun because oftentimes they didn't have an exit point. But to show how strong I was as a youth pastor because I can't be scared of a roller coaster, right? No, no man in their right mind would be scared of a roller coaster. It goes, woo, like this. You always wanted an exit line. And then when you get up there, you can't exit out. It's like, you've got to get on the machine. And, and then it's just all downhill from there, literally and otherwise. We have a lot of courage until we get up to the moment. But Joshua's moment is now. And he is going to have to go forward and onward with courage in God's promises. Well, how does he do that? The first way he does that, verses 3 and 4, is he can count on the promises of God as you face opportunities in your life. Did you notice what he says there? Every place the sole of your foot sets shall be your territory. Now, I, got, I, I, I always have to do this. You know what I'm going to say, most of you. This is not a promise that wherever you go as a Christian, that they're going to lay out the red carpet for you and give you everything you ever want. That's not what's being said here. Don't over-spiritualize this text. But it is a clear concession of Scripture, and we know this from all the Bible, that if you are following what God has for you to do, He is always going to be with you in that journey. He's always going to be there. I mean, I would sort of, you know, you might say Joshua, the whole book of Joshua is that God gives and God's people get. That's kind of the whole theme of the book because there's no possible way they would ever be able to conquer this land by themselves. God had to go with them. 
And church, there's no possible way we are going to win Gracemore and Maple Park. I'm mixing my signals here, but all this area to Jesus Christ, unless God is with us. We have an opportunity in this church, and I'm going to thank Doug and Cindy and all of you all who gave to our Christmas families to bless four families in this area. This area is ripe for the gospel, and it needs it. And I want to remind you that we can count on God as we face opportunities in this life. He will go with us. But I want you to think for a moment in Joshua's shoes. If I'd promised you a piece of property as your living space, and you get all excited, get the moving truck there, and you show up, and there's someone else in the house, how would you feel? You think, well, that's not much of a promise. There's still somebody there. You wouldn't expect that someone else would be there, but that's exactly what Israel encounters, that this land is filled with other nations. I mean, why would God do this? He's doing this for one reason, because he's checking, he's checking, not just a place off the box, but he wants his people, he wants their hearts, he wants to build their faith in him, he wants them to live with a God story mentality in mind. He wants them to walk out of there confident, not in their abilities, but in the fact that God is with them and that he's going to show them through every opportunity that is in there. They need courage to do that, and God has promised to be with them through that. Christian, this year you may have faced things. You know, we looked back a year ago and said, man, if I could just get through 2020, 2021 is going to be paradise, right? Amen. I get a lot of respects for most of you in this room. 2021 was a lot harder than 2020 was. Maybe you lost someone. Maybe it was hard in your job. Maybe it was hard in a relationship. I don't know. But I can guarantee you, whatever God has called you to in your faith, you need to have the courage to go forward. Why? Well, here's why. Because you can count on his promises. But I want to tell you, those promises aren't going to come without opposition. And Amy will put this up. But as we go forward with courage, you need to count on also opposition. You need to count on opposition first from the external, from the external opposition. Look at verse 5. He tells them there, that every promise is an inheritance given. But verse 5 goes on to say, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. Well, pastor, where's the opposition there? The opposition is, is God is not just going to click his fingers and everyone's going to fall down. The opposition is, is that people are going to actually be in the land and Joshua actually has to leave the people to fight them. Wouldn't it be so nice if we could just press that easy button or, or, or just something that God would just lay flat the road in front of us that we wouldn't have to walk through the difficulties of life? Oh, that would be so nice, wouldn't it? But Christian, that's not what you're called to. You are called in this world to suffer here so that when you get to glory there, you'll look back and sing his praises all the more. I sat with one of our senior saints just a couple weeks ago, and she was recounting over the last several weeks how how if she could have looked back over this last year and seen what God had done in her life, she would have said, I would never have wanted to go through it. But because of the last several weeks, and many of you know who I'm referring to, she said, you know, I don't like where I am physically, but I can tell you spiritually I'm stronger than I ever have been. Psalm 2 is very clear of two themes. There will be opposition to Christ and his cause, and God is not worried. Guys, where God calls you to, you will face opposition. People will reject the gospel. You will be misunderstood. People will not want to hear what you have to say or live about. But I want to promise you what he just told him. Did you notice what he said? Look at verse 5. Look at this threefold promise. Don't miss this. He says, no man will be able to stand you. Just as I was with Moses, actually four. As I was with Moses, his presence goes with us. So I will not leave you or forsake you. Look, on your worst day, Jesus doesn't love you any less than the day that he saved you and called you to be his own. He's with you. But I want you to know, and I want to speak as a church. 
Church, we have a lot of great plans we want to have going forward as a church. We have things that we want to do to this building. We have things we want to outreach. And I want you to know it's going to be misunderstood by the churches. It's going to be misunderstood by the community. It's going to be misunderstood by a lot of things. But I want you to know God is with us. And he gives us courage to go forward. And I want you to know, you better believe Joshua as a human was probably shaking in his boots a little bit. But he was also reminded that God was going to be wherever his foot sat, he would be successful. Friends, as long as we are faithful to what God calls us to with courage, we will be successful. But there's not only external opposition. Look at verse 6. There is also internal opposition, internal opposition. Look down at verse 6. He says, be strong and very courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give to them. He said, well, Darren, where is the internal opposition? Well, look, the church will always have external opposition, but I want to tell you the first and greatest obstacle we face is internal waywardness and sin. He does, you don't see it here, but do you know just a few chapters later what happens? You know the story, don't you? They walk around Jericho, the walls come down, they, they literally obliterate Jericho, and that's a whole story for another time. They follow what God says, and then they see a little village up on a hill named A-I, literally A, letter A, and I. It's the same almost in Hebrew as it is in English. And they go and take it. And do you remember what happens to one of the guys? He, Achan is his name. He steals something that God said not to. God said, don't take anything back with you. Burn it all. Destroy it all. And he takes a little something back to his thing. You know, it's kind of like a trash man. You ever wonder what? I've always wondered this, if trash men do this. If they see something valuable in the trash, you know, if they pull around the street and they're like, hey, that's kind of cool in my pocket. I don't know. But Achan steals something from a town that they just plundered. And they're getting ready to go to another town and take it. And Joshua's like, look, you don't need to send the whole army. Just send a little, little band of warriors. We got this. The pride was starting to build. The opposition was happening because people were getting comfortable with God's presence. So much so that they thought it was them doing the work instead of God himself. And do you remember what happened to them? They went up to that city. What happened? They basically got run out of Dodge. And it came back that Achan and his family had stolen things, and God had to write that camp before it got there. I'm going to quote our famous Pastor Nelson on this. He Facebooked this to me, and I told him I'd quote him, so here it is. Internal means within our church. Internal means bickering and unforgiveness and power struggles. Internal means within ourselves, our fears, our anxieties, our desire not to do things our, our, our desire rather to do things our way and not God's way. Internal means our own mental weaknesses and impairment of being unable to decide or paralyzed to act, kind of like a person without legs to trust God and just run. Christian, I want to remind you this morning that you can go with great courage in God and you can face all the external opposition, but you can harbor sin in your heart. No one sees but God himself and everything you just did just got derailed like a train that just went off the tracks. Be careful this year that you don't allow sin, even small sin, to sink your ship of faith that you want to live through and for Jesus Christ. It takes courage, and you can count on God's promises, but be careful that you don't let sin take you away. Number three, you ready? Go with compliance, go with, go with courage, but number three, go onward with commitment to God's word. Go onward with commitment to God's words. Open your Bible back up. Look at verse 7. And these are very famous verses here. But he says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all according to that the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Don't turn to the right or to the left. He was a one-way kind of guy. That you may have a good hand of, of success wherever you go. 
Look, if you're going to be compliant, if you're going to be courageous, then you also need to be committed to the Word of God. And let me just reaffirm to you if you're visiting with us. Look, if there's something I say as a pastor or someone who's in this pulpit or in a classroom that goes against this Word, you have all authority to, to rebuke them by the Word of God. Amen? I hope you agree with that. Don't just take my word because that's what the pastor said. Take my word if it's what God's word says first. I hope you hear that. I don't have enough of a complex about myself to think that everything I say is exactly 100%. I, that's why we study. That's why we, we take time out of our schedule to go in the office or, well, wherever we go. Sometimes it's in a car. Whatever you do, just go study the word of God, right? And you need to pray for this. Because if we go onward with commitment to God's word, it starts with prayer over God's word. But the first thing he does here is he surrenders, this will be on the screen, he surrenders to the authority of God's word. He says, be careful to do all. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Look, so much of false teaching boils down to one thing. It boils down to the final authority is something other than God's words. Mormons will say that the Bible is good as so long as it's translated correctly. That's why they have the Book of Mormon. Jehovah's Witnesses will say the Bible's good as long as you believe their translation of the Bible. Mormon or Muslims will say that the Bible's only as good as Muhammad said it would be. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But we do it in our own lives. God, you know, I just don't want to do that today. God, I'm just not feeling what you told me to do today. Friends, if you're going to be compliant and courageous and you're going to be committed to the Word of God, you also need to surrender yourself to God's Word. Look, did Joshua know? Can I just be honest here? 618 laws in the Old Testament. And guess what? We don't have to keep most of them because you know why? Jesus Christ was born. Amen? He came to fulfill the law and the prophets, not to abolish them. All those ceremonial laws, all the weird dietary laws, all the, all the government laws. America is not Israel. That's a whole topic for another time. But we are called to keep the moral law, the Ten Commandments, the things that, that he spoke of neighbor to neighbor. But I want you to know, when he says, do all that he commanded you to do, we get off a little bit more scot-free in that sense. Because we don't live by the law. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth, John says, came through Jesus Christ, John chapter 1. Aren't you grateful for that? Do you have a surrender to God's word in your life? Are you really committed to God's word? Do you really put aside some things and do other things? Or are you really committed to it? But let me be honest here for a second. Some of us have so much truth in our lives, it's hard to live out the truth that we have, isn't it? I mean, if you focus on loving your neighbor for one day, you're going to probably, to the detriment of another command, Lord, so what do you do? You say, Lord, our church, help us, to, help us to, to, to not major in anything except you say to major in. Lord, don't let us plant our flag on topics that don't matter in, in life or scheme of things. Lord, where there's a difference of opinion, give us grace and wisdom. Lord, where we want to see growth, then Lord, bring that growth. But what I want you to know is that they were surrendered to God's word. Not because Moses said it, but because God said it. Only be strong and courageous. Look, it takes a lot of gall to believe this book in today's world. It always has. To live for God in any context always took a lot of nerve, doesn't it? Because it takes courage. And he says, don't turn to the right or turn to the left. Don't go over to the Hittites. Don't go to the Philistines. Just keep the path narrow. Joshua, I'm over here. Focus on me. Ever done that to someone before? Hey, your eyes are over here. Focus your eyes on me. Your doctor does that. Don't you hate doctor eye exams if some of y'all do that before? Stop. Well, I can't look over there, doctor. It's like a magnifying light and coming in my eyes. I mean, come on now. But you get what we're saying. Are you surrendered to God's word in your life? It takes a commitment. 
Look, some of y'all are going to be starting a Bible reading program next week, or Saturday, I think, is the first of the year. Start somewhere. Start in the book of John. It doesn't matter. Just pick up the Bible every day and read it. Ask God to work through it. You'd be amazed what God does. And if, you, if, if January 17th comes and you haven't checked your Bible book reading for like three or four days or a week or two and a half weeks, God still loves you, amen? But at the end of the day, are you committed to it? Are you surrendered to it? Next thing I want you to see here as he goes forward, and this is into verse eight, is that they seize the truth of God's word. Look at verse eight. It says, do not let, do not let us depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Look, those who really find delight in Scripture are those who, as Psalm 1 says, like trees planted by rivers of water. They're always fresh and fruitful. And those who hide his word in their hearts are always able to bring good treasure. That's what Matthew 12 says. But what does it mean to meditate? To meditate means that you consider, that you roll it around in your mind. It's not just a one-off thing. And Amy, if you want to put up that next sub-point, that'd be great. We'll just go through these quickly. Five C's, and I'll let you write these down, and I'll put these out. I'll just explain them briefly. How do you do this? How do you meditate on the Word of God? How does that work? What was he telling Joshua to do? Well, you need to count. You need to look back over your life this last year and consider what God, uh, and just count all the unfulfilled promises, the broken dreams, the successes, the missed opportunities, whatever it is. You need to count them. You need to go through them. I would encourage you this week, if you have not done it already, and I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna ask Nelson to do this this week as a church. We're gonna try and do this next couple weeks. He doesn't know it yet, but we're gonna do it. Surprise, Nelson. We're gonna sit down and recount what God has done. And I want you to do that. Count your blessings, right? Number them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. I know that song's in my head too. But you need to count your blessings. You seize God's word by counting what he's done for you. You also confess as the years turn, open your heart to the convicting work of the Spirit. Ensure that your confessions are specific. God, I know I did this at this time. God, I know you know I did this at this time. Not just to pat God, forgive me of all my sins today. Bless this food, amen. Go in your closet and actually pray and ask God to search your heart. But also consider, consider as you think about God's word, think about the truths of God's word. In our class today, I didn't know where this would go. We considered the prophecies of Christ and his birth, and we had to consider how we are grateful that we don't have to go through anyone else but Jesus Christ to get to heaven, amen? And that's what we know. Consider, write down a specific time to write things in your, somewhere. Type it out if that's what you do, but don't be discouraged. Consider what God is working in you. Consider where he's brought you. Consider where he's taking you. And then celebrate celebrate. Isn't that a song? Celebrate, celebrate. Do it. Guys, God has been good to you, hasn't he? He has blessed you more than you know. I'm not just talking financial. I mean, he's given you Jesus. We know that. But take time to celebrate that, that you have been saved, redeemed, and, and called. Thank God for this church. Look, we've got a lot of wacky things in this church, starting with our pastors down, right? We do. We've got a lot of wacky things. We've got a lot of things we need to, to correct and go and do. We get that. But can we take for a moment and just say celebrate? Thank God for his work among us, amen? And then commit. What's your plan of action? What is our plan of action as a church this next year? How are you gonna be committed to God's word in the coming days? Because if you're not gonna write it down or do it, it's not, it ain't gonna happen. I can guarantee you that. I'll read my Bible today. Oh yeah, you wake up and say, man, I forgot. To... Look, this isn't rocket science, but are you doing it? Is our church doing it? Is our prayer? He says, meditate on it, consider it. Last thing he says here in verse 8 is to spotlight the Word of God. Can I use that word intentionally? Look at the end of verse 8. 
We're almost done. Look at the end of verse 8. He says, For then you will make your way very prosperous, and you will have good success. When you take God seriously, when you take his word seriously, when you follow him seriously, guess what? You're successful. Notice he doesn't say the nations will applaud you. Hey, thanks for taking over my territory. Thanks for taking out my cities. No. He says you'll be successful in God's eyes. May I remind you, Christian, this world is never going to be your applause maker. If this world applauds our church for anything other than living out God's commands, we're doing it wrong. Parents, if we ever do things that God would not be happy with, but all the world applauds us because we did something the world said, be careful. He says they will be prosperous. Church, I'm not going to guarantee us that if we follow everything God says, that every pew in here is going to be filled, or pews. You guys haven't had pews for 11 years. Chairs, whatever. Thank you, Pleasant Valley Baptist Church. But you know. But I want to tell you, our success is not predicated on what we see on paper or in pews. doesn't mean we don't look at those things or consider those things. They, they numbered the disciples when they were at the Pentecost and so on and so forth. But we don't live and die by those things. We spotlight God's word and we let the word do the work. We're not going to manipulate people. We're not going to beat them over the head people. We're not going to twist their arm. We're not going to sell them a bag of goods and bait and switch them with Christ. We're going to be honest about Jesus. We're going to try and live honestly before people with Jesus, but we're also going to do it and trust that God will bring the success. And Christian, let me remind you, every non-Christian in your life, this is exactly it. You can't win them to heaven anymore than you can be reborn twice by yourself. God, by his grace, can save a person. Some of you in here have wayward children, grown children. We've prayed for them together. We'll continue to pray for them. Some of you have little grandkids or little kids that need to know Jesus. We're going to pray for them. And we're going to share the gospel with them. We're going to live it out. And they're going to see mommy and daddy and granddad and grandpa or whatever mess up, uncle so-and-so mess up. But we're going to point them back and say, you know, I was wrong. But praise God, Jesus forgave me. And we're going to spotlight God's word and say, you know what? While I'm yet a sinner, Christ died for me and he died for you too. May we be faithful. Last thing is this, shortest point. Go onward with compliance, with courage, with commitment. And finally, we're going to go onward. And we're going to finish it out with certainty of God's presence. Look at verse 9. We are literally going to end right here. Have I not commanded you? Joshua, wake up. Joshua, move on. Be strong and courageous. It's like the third time he said that. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Same thing said twice, different ways. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's not enough that Joshua heard the call and knew the will of God. He had to surrender to God's will and go with him. Christian, it was, that's what I want you to know. God is with us. God is with you. If you are a faithful Christian and no one else is around you is faithful, he's with you. He's not leaving you. Don't let this world suck you out of it. Can I say it one more time? Some of y'all need to get off social media and just throw it away. Seriously, throw it away. I am 90 steps away from doing that because I'm sick of the arguments and the fights. It's a place for Christ, and I want to be a witness for Christ there and all those things, but I think a lot of our worlds would be a lot better if we got off social media, turned off the TV, and went back to just spending time with our families and everything else. Why? Because we forget that God's with us, because we are contingent upon being reminded that things are going to be okay economy-wise, or, man, did you hear the good news today? Look, you don't need to live in a cave. You don't need to disconnect from everything, I suppose. But do you trust more in God's presence and promise and 
movement in your life than you do whatever you see around you. Because so many people live and die by this thing. It's an electronic. It's a paperweight that costs more money than my car is probably worth at this time of life, right? It can be good. But I just want to encourage you this, this year. Are you trusting more in what you see on social media, the news, or the promises of politicians and doctors and everything else? I'm not anti-doctor. I'm not anti-government. I'm just, I'm just laying it bare. Is your trust truly above all things in the God of the Bible who says be strong and courageous and go forward with certainty? Or is it in someone or something else? Maybe your spouse, even your kids. I don't know. Ask yourself that. And church, I want to remind you of this. I could die any day. Nelson could die any day. This church is not built upon pastors. We are called to lead you. We're called to guide you. But it's not our personalities, our personas, our presence that makes or breaks a church. It is God working among all of us together that brings a church forward. And that's what we know. I don't plan on going anywhere. Nelson says he's too old to go anywhere else. I've heard that sort of out of his lips. But I want to tell you forward as a church, we are excited about what God is doing here. We're excited you're here. But we do this with God's presence and his presence alone. Amen. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's go before our Lord. We have a dear sister outside who's taking notes of my time, and uh, she will know that it was 41 minutes today. But I pray it's been 41 minutes of great encouragement to you. Will you bow your heads with me? And let's go before our Lord as we pray. Father, as we come to you, Father, we pray that we have compliance with your commands, that we know that the task and the opportunities are going to be difficult internally and externally. Father, that we, we go forward with a courageous commitment Father, and that doesn't mean we run out like Mel Gibson and Braveheart and yell freedom. It, it, it's often just the, the simple moments of life, Lord, with the right tools of your word and prayer and being faithful to church and serving and sharing, giving. Father, we know that uh, it takes a lot of commitment, Father. It takes commitment. Father, on days where we're tired, days where we'd rather not follow you because of people or pressure or things or life or we just forget, frankly. Lord, we are thankful, though, that, Father, you are with us, that there is a certainty of your presence with us. You've reminded us to be strong and courageous. You remind us you don't leave us or forsake us. You reminded us it's your work, not ours, yet you call us to be a, a hand, a, a conduit in that work. Father, we lay it all at your feet, and I pray for our church in 2022 and onward. Father, it may not be the, the, the best attendance days of days ahead. It may not be the best financial days. It may not be the best evangelistic days. Father, I don't know not a prophet of the son of one, nor is anyone here. But we know and we desire that we are faithful to you. Father, we pray in the coming days as individuals that that would be our things as well. It could be the best year we've ever had coming up. It could be the worst year we've had for whatever reason we feel that or whatever reason we experience that. But one thing remains the same. We are not consumed for, Lord, you don't change, Malachi says. And the word reminds us in Hebrews 13, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we hold to those promises. Help us to be courageous. Help us to grow. Help us to confess sin one to another in you. Help us to be on, honest with where we are. But thank you that you have been honest with us in sending your son. We pray all this today in his name, in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen.